Welcome into the Fog.net podcast. Michael Swain here after KU beat Oklahoma State at home 83-58. to And KU is able to avoid the letdown after a big road win in Waco on Saturday. Uh, not necessarily uh, the most crisp performance from a KU perspective, uh, but one that was much needed. And now you get several days of rest before KU travels to uh, K-State this Saturday. But Yudoka Azubuki was the storyline uh, of the game Monday. And really, he was kind of the storyline of the weekend in general. Uh, he absolutely dominated at Baylor and continued that stretch against Oklahoma State on Monday. Uh, there was, of course, uh, the story that I wrote about post-game, which was uh, on Yudoka Azubuki and his brother getting reunited after 10 years. So a, a big day for Yudoka Azubuki in general. And uh, Azubuke showcased just how dominant he is and the different ways that he can, uh, he can just hurt you uh, on both the offensive and defensive ends, uh, especially early on in the game. You know, you look at those first couple offensive possessions, Oklahoma State crowded Azubuke in the post. You know, they had the guy playing him from behind, but then also had two other guys dig in. Uh, and even at one point, four out of the five guys on the court were around Azubuke. You know, so Oklahoma State came with the mindset of, we're not going to let Doak beat us. You know, we're going to try and make him play in a crowd. We're going to try and make him pass out of the post. And it kind of worked, maybe, a little bit early on. You know, Doak didn't necessarily uh, take a, a ton of shots early on, but it resulted in some open threes for KU in the perimeter. Uh, and then on the defensive end early on, Oklahoma State went right at Asbuki. He got a block early on. Uh, came up with a couple other nice shot contests, didn't necessarily come up with blocks on him, but was able to force uh, the player to make a tough shot. But I think what you've seen now uh, in the past, what would it be, you know, 52, 60 hours, something like that, uh, since that Waco game, and for reference recording this podcast uh, Tuesday morning before any of the college basketball games have tipped off today. But, you know, over this past uh, two and a half, three day stretch, just Doak has been absolutely dominant. and it prompted Mike Boynton to say this uh, after the game. I've watched his development in my time here. Um, I saw him play a little bit in high school, and his growth is remarkable. Uh, obviously, a lot of credit goes to their staff for putting him in position, but that kid's obviously put a lot of work in, and um, he's made himself not just a big plotting post player who can get lost in today's game, as everybody thinks. No, the truth is, if you're good enough, you can figure it out, and he is terrific. Um, I, I, I don't watch a whole lot of national basketball. I watch a lot of basketball, but I don't focus on all the players. Uh, I'd be hard-pressed to find a better national player of the year candidate um, than he is. I mean, the way he's playing now is is uh, pretty special. And I, I think, obviously, there's a, there's a different kind of fan base here. I think they appreciate it. I'm not sure he's appreciated nationally as much as maybe – uh, he should be. So I, I think that's significant because from a national perspective, it does feel like Yudok Azbuki is slowly kind of starting to, you know, nussle his way into the national player of the year conversation. Um, I, I think you can gauge how, uh, from a national perspective, uh, how the media 
thinks of a player in terms of just what is written about him and the framing of some of the stories that have been written about him. And Sam Vecini from The Athletic had a, a, a really good story on Doak and about how he personally, uh, Sam Vecini covers the uh, college basketball and the draft for The Athletic, but how he had talked about doing a 180 on Azubuki and how now he sees Azubuki as this uh, you know dominant post-presence, but because of his drop in weight, he's be able to be so uh, dominant defensively. Uh, you look at some of the way uh, the Matt Norlanders of the world who works for CBS, the framing of the way that they're talking about Asbuki is much more, not necessarily in this uplifting sense, but more of uh, maybe we should be giving this guy more recognition than we have this season. Because if you were to look at this National Player of the Year conversation from the start of the season, you think about the guys like you know Cassius Winston, Devon Dotson, some of the guys that were talked about as National Player of the Year candidates early on. And I think maybe the issue with the National Player of the Year conversation starting so early nowadays is that we get the narratives and then you start to hold these players to higher standards. But I think it's interesting over the past about, I'd say, probably two weeks, how there are more and more stories and more and more just tweets and information coming out about Yudok Azubuki. And it does feel like there's maybe been a little bit of a shift from a national perspective in terms of you know, if he is a national player of the year candidate, because it was only a month and a half ago that we were talking about Doak as being one of the most impactful players in college, but maybe that he didn't have the counting statistics to win the national player of the year. So with that said, uh, what we'll be doing on the podcast today is looking at the national player of the year conversation and a little bit later, kind of maybe specifically the best duos in college basketball right now. Um, but starting off, with that National Player of the Year conversation, uh, I'll start off talking about Devon because I think that's the one that uh, will be on the mind of a lot of KU fans because if Doak is in the conversation for National Player of the Year, that means that you know Devon is in that conversation too right now, but that means that the two could split votes and you know things of that nature. So from a Devon Dotson perspective, for the argument for National Player of the Year, I think you'd say that he is the... Uh, point guard on the best team in college basketball. He is scary efficient inside of the arc in terms of scoring at the rim, uh, scoring in mid-range. The three-point shot has not been there for Devon this year, but given the fact that he's not even making a ton of threes, uh, the fact that he's still able to be at that 17.9 points per game mark is still really impressive, and especially considering the fact that he's doing it on 13 field goal attempts per game. You know, Devon Dotson is averaging 2.1 steals per game right now. He has more steals than Marcus Garrett right now. You know, Marcus Garrett has gotten a ton of acclaim over the past two or three weeks, but I do think that maybe lost in all of this is how good Devon Dotson has been defensively this year. So, and for Devon, uh, from a, a national perspective, it does feel like he is the guy that going into the season, you thought, okay, he's going to be in the race for National Player of the Year. And throughout the season, he maybe hasn't been a front runner, but I do believe that he has been in terms of the overall conversation because that's what happens throughout the year as you talk about it, you talk through some of these guys, the arguments form, the arguments against them. And it does feel like he is moving up the ladder uh, these past couple of months, especially since Big 12 play started. Uh, because he has been really good since Big 12 play started. And you also have to consider the fact that you know he's playing almost every minute for KU basketball, and he still hasn't dropped efficiency-wise. Uh, you know, Devon Dotson is one of only two players in Division I college basketball, averaging 17 points, four rebounds, four assists, and two steals. 
I, I do think that the sort of uh, only person averaging XYZ, I do think that sometimes uh, those numbers, you can fiddle with them to where you can get the exact sample size that you need uh, to have a certain result come out. But I think in terms of what he has produced this season, he's got to be up there in terms of National Player of the Year conversation. Uh, I think someone that deserves to be in the conversation that maybe is a little bit on the outside looking in just because of how his team is done is Luca Garza from Iowa. He's the big man there. He's averaging 23 points, 9 rebounds, 1.7 blocks, shooting 38% uh, from behind the arc. And he is someone that, uh, if he was on Kansas, for example, if he was on a top five team, he would probably be the national player of the year. I think your argument for him would be he's got the counting stats. He's on a pretty decent Iowa team and a really tough conference. He's able to put up solid numbers in conference play against some uh, of really solid opponents. But I do think that in terms of the overall team success, I think that's what's going to hold Luca Garza a little bit short. Another one, and full transparency, I will get to Obi Toppin later but he will be one of the last people that we talk about. I've got two more here I want to get through before we get to him. But the next guy, Marcus Howard. Uh, he, this is kind of the, the Trey Young argument, if you will, from 2017-2018. You know, he's got a ton of points. He's got some good assist numbers. Um, but again, he's on a 17-9 and and 12-7 and Marquette team. Uh, doesn't necessarily move the needle, again, in terms of team success. Really similar to Luca Garza. You know, one of the best players on the team or the best player, the most important player on the team, but that team success is not there. So if you were to try and compare him to that 27-18 Trey Young season, which it's also worth noting that Jalen Brunson won the National Player of the Year average. But if you're trying to make that argument for Marcus Howard, uh, he's averaging, you know, 27 points, issue being 40% from the field. His efficiency has dropped every season he's been in college basketball. He was shooting mid-40s from the field last season. That's dropped this year. He's taking almost 20 shots a game. Uh, and if you were to compare those numbers now to what Trey Young did, Trey Young went for 27.4 points a game, 8.7 assists per game on 19.3 shots. So uh, Marcus Howard now trails behind in that assist category. Uh, real quick, Malachi Flynn from San Diego State, uh, 16.9 points, 4.3 rebounds, 5 assists, and nearly 2 steals a game. Uh, this would be more of like the Jimmer Fredette case uh, when Jimmer was at BYU, non-high major team. Uh, you know, Malachi Flynn does have pieces around him, but he is kind of the, he, he's the oar that rows the boat for that team. Um, now, the issue with the argument from Malachi Flynn doesn't necessarily blow you off the page with, in terms of points per game. Uh, you know, if you are going against maybe that lesser competition in the mid-majors in the WCC, you know, you would maybe expect that the points number for a National Player of the Year candidate to be a little bit higher. So, now we get to Obi Toppin. I think that if you were to look narrow this down, National Player of the Year conversation, uh, to two, I would say it's probably between Devon Dotson and Obi Toppin. Uh, Obi Toppin averaging 19.7 points. He's got the 7.7 rebounds. Um, and his thing is he's a, a super efficient player on a really good team. Uh, and he is someone that from the start of the season has been kind of in the National Player of the Year conversation. He, like Devon Dotson, had a big Maui Invitational, which gets you a lot of eyeballs, which will get a lot more people talking about you. Now, in terms of the uh, overall race for National Player of the Year, I think he would be my best bet. Just because the issue, if you were to go down the line, you look at Devon Dotson. 
what's going to keep Devon Dawson from getting votes for National Player of the Year. Oh, well, he has Doak on his team. That helps him out a lot. And, you know, for Obi Toppin, you, you look at the numbers and you look at the team success, and you could say that he is, in a similar way to Malachi Finn, you know, the oar that rows the boat. He's the guy that can keep Dayton going. He is definitely someone that I think if you were to be looking to bet on this, for example, I think your your bet would be safest with Obi Toppin right now. So this brings me to Yudok Azbuki and his place in the National Player of the Year conversation. So out of the guys that I've mentioned, Doak would have the least amount of points, but he does have the most amount of rebounds. Now, if you know, you're going to take Marcus Howard, Malachi Flynn, and Devon Dotson out of that rebounding category, but he's got more rebounds than Luka Garza. He's got more rebounds than Obi Toppin. He's blocking more shots than both of them. Uh, in, in terms of the on-court impact, I, I would argue that he is the most impactful player out of any of these guys because we've seen what happens when KU doesn't have Devon Dotson. They won at Oklahoma. Uh, you know, Doak, there's a stat that I mentioned on the podcast that KU's 32-2, and two, that, oh, that's probably different now, it's probably 34-2, and two, I would say now, when Doak scores 13 or more points. Uh, so in terms of just impact, you know, he is probably the most impactful player in college basketball. And again, I go back to uh, this that I tweeted last week, which is Doak's the only player in Division One that is averaging more than 12.5 points, 9.5 rebounds, and 2.5 blocks in less than 27.5 minutes per game. You know, I mentioned earlier Devon Dotson and how maybe uh, those statistics maybe were a little too much to narrow down to you know getting one player. But I'm just talking about points, rebounds, blocks. That's what a big man would should and does. He's the player that does all of that the most in less than 27 minutes per game. I think if you're going to make the argument for Doak, it's the efficiency, it's the on-court impact. And it's the way that he's changed games as of late. Okay, real quick before we get out of here, just moving on to maybe some of the best duos in college basketball. Uh, I just had some fun with this. I don't know. Got a little sidetracked with the National Player of the Year stuff and started thinking about the best duos. But I, I do think that KU has the best duo in college basketball. You know, Kazbuki and Devon Dotson. I think in terms of defensive impact, in terms of offensive impact, just in terms of literally everything with basketball. They are the best duo in college basketball. But that got me thinking, who are some of the other ones? I, I would go with maybe Trey Jones and Vernon Carey from Duke. They're very similar to Udoka and, and Devon Dotson. Uh, I mean, it's honestly a, a clone of those two, just in terms of what they bring to the table. Vernon Carey back to the basket center. Uh, Trey Jones, a, a, you know, a defense, a defense first point guard that has his struggles shooting the ball at times. Uh, move down the line a little bit. Cassius Winston, Xavier Tillman definitely deserve a shout in that conversation uh, just because of their pick-and-roll abilities. Uh, Xavier Tillman is a role man in those situations, and Cassius Winston's just overall ability. But then I think you get to the Obi Toppin and Jalen Crutcher uh, argument where you know Obi Toppin could be National Player of the Year. Jalen Crutcher is about as good of a Robin to a Batman as you'll see in college basketball, just in terms of what he brings. You know, scores the ball real well. Uh, he played a really good defense against KU, but he's the guy that can kind of get his own at any time. Uh, and I think that the reason I bring these four up is in the NCAA tournament, it feels like, you know, you need kind of the one or two best players on the court in order to get to a, a final four, for example. 
So these are kind of the four teams you think about, Kansas, Michigan State, Duke, and Dayton, that are probably some of the four most dangerous teams in college basketball. So as we go through the end of the season and into conference play and then into the NCAA tournament, those are probably the four teams to look out for. And in terms of the National Player of the Year race, Obi Toppin probably has my bet. But if I'm being honest, I, I think it would not surprise me if we get a final three of Devon Dotson, Obi Toppin, and Tokazapuki. So that's all the time we have for today on the podcast. As always, thank you for listening to the Fog.net podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave a rating or review on iTunes. Uh, we really appreciate those. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at mswain97. And with that said, we will talk to you next week.